Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you once again. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at week 17. We've got some really exciting news as well. Quick six, Corey Philpot joins us. But first, let's get to some news. It was announced on Saturday during the Hamilton Tiger Cats game that Green Day will be headlining the 110th Grey Cup halftime show November 19th at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Green Day boasts a sizable catalog of hits and has been nominated for 20 Grammy Awards. The band has won five, including Best Alternative Album for Dookie in 1995 and Best Rock Album for American Idiot in 2005. The longtime American rock group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2015, its first year of eligibility. I legit did not see this one coming. Green Day is an iconic band from back when I was a kid. I remember when Dookie came out, of course, during my grunge era, but whatever. And that was such an amazing time. I can't wait to see Green Day headline the Grey Cup halftime show. It is with great sadness and broken hearts that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Football Club, alongside its fans and the entire CFL community, mourn the death of one of its greatest players of all time, George Reed. Reed passed away on Sunday, one day before his 84th birthday, after a long and beautiful life that included incredible success both on and off the football field. He was widely known as one of the greatest running backs in Canadian Football League history after an unparalleled 13-year professional football career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Reed retired as the game's all-time leading rusher shortly before training camp in 1976 with 16,116 rushing yards and 134 career rushing touchdowns. The latter record still stands. On October 24, 1976, the Riders ensured no one other than Reed would ever wear the number 34 when they retired his number. He was an unstoppable force, full of grit and determination. Reed registered a CFL record 11 1,000-plus yard seasons during his career. He was a 9-time CFL All-Star, a 10-time West CFL All-Star, and played in 5 consecutive All-Star games. After rushing for a franchise record of 1,768 yards in 1965, Reed won the Shenley Award, the most outstanding player in the CFL. He was a runner-up for the award in 68 and 69. This is a big loss for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the entire CFL community, and we just really hope that Reed rests in peace. And finally in the news this week, Bo Levi Mitchell could be close to a return to action per our friend of the podcast, Dave Naylor. Naylor said that Mitchell and Matthew Schiltz were splitting first-team quarterback reps at Ticats practice on Tuesday. 
Mitchell has landed on the six-game injured list twice this season, his first with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. In three games played this year, he's made 57 of 69 passes for 714 yards with three touchdowns and nine interceptions. He signed as a free agent with the Ticats in January after spending the previous 10 seasons with the Calgary Stampeders. Second and goal with time. Kalaros dumps it off. Oliveira. Touchdown Winnipeg. Just like that for the Bombers. Week 17 kicked off on Friday with the Toronto Argonauts traveling out to Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers. And with Chad Kelly resting, it was the Bombers taking this one 31-21. Cameron Dukes did step in for Chad Kelly going 17-24, for 231 yards and a touchdown. Dukes also rushed four times for 34 yards and a touchdown on the ground. While A.J. Ouellette was pretty quiet, he had one breakout run for 26 yards. It was Tommy kneeled in the air, getting four receptions for 58 yards, and DeMonte Coxie also had two catches for 54 as well. For Winnipeg, Zach Caleros went 22 for 33, 258 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Brady Oliveira continued his bully ball this year, 25 rushes, 169 yards, while Dalton Schoen had 6 catches for 101 yards as well, and Winnipeg handily took this one. It looked pretty close for a little bit, but by the end of the game, it was the Bombers, and once again, the questions might be coming up with how solid is the QB room in Toronto if something else were to happen to keep Chad Kelly out of the lineup. Adams closing in on 300 yards again. He'll pick it up here, down the field, wide open! How does he get that wide open? It's Hollins again, touchdown PC! 71 yards, Adams to Hollins! And the Lions open up a 14-point cushion. Game 2 on Friday night saw the Saskatchewan Rough Riders travel out to BC Place to take on the Lions. And it was the Lions taking this one 33-26. Jake Dolagala went 31 for 46 for 409 yards, but he had two interceptions for the Riders. On the ground, it was Frankie Hickson who had 10 carries for only 22 yards. There was not much of a ground game had for Saskatchewan. Keon Schaefer-Baker had 9 catches for 140 four yards, while Jarris Stearns had seven catches for 102 yards. Of course, the BC Lions, Vernon Adams Jr., 27 for 36, 458 yards, three touchdowns in the air. Taquan Mizell had 10 carries for only 38 yards, kind of seeing a trend here, where Keon Hatcher had 10 catches for 172 yards. Dominic Rimes, friend of the podcast, had his first game back, not five catches, sorry, for 92 yards. And then Alexander Hollins had three catches, 83 yards, and two touchdowns. Second and four. Four-man rush for Jarno has time, looks uh -oh. over the middle, Phil Pot touchdown Alouettes! Game one on Saturday saw the Montreal Alouettes roll into Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks, and they did steamroll said Red Blacks. 32-15, to the Alouettes took this one. Cody Fajardo went 15 for 20, 178 yards and a touchdown. William Stanback, 13 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown as well. And Tyson Philpott had three catches, 41 yards and a touchdown. Where Cole Spiker also had a few catches. He had three for 60 in 
the game. On the other side, Dustin Crum, 25 for 34, 247 yards, still continuing to struggle with those interceptions he threw two. But he did run three more times for 35 yards, and Devontae Williams had seven carries for only 25 yards, but he did score one as well. Braylon Addison had a decent game, seven catches for 94 yards. Devontae Williams also had some catches, eight catches for 66 yards as well in the losing cause. And the Montreal Alouettes went on to clinch another playoff spot. So great to see with the new ownership that the Alouettes are doing really well. Deep look, Taylor Powell, and it's caught. Tim White breaks loose, and he has a touchdown. 70 yards, Hamilton's offense has not done much, but on one big play, they're an extra point away from taking the lead. Game 2 on Saturday saw the Calgary Stampeders go into Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats, which at halftime the big Green Day announcement happened. And it was the Tiger Cats winning this one at home 22-15. to For Calgary, Jake Mayer had 26 completions for 44 attempts, 239 yards. Diedrich Mills had 6 carries for 47 yards. Kadeem Carey had 8 carries for only 39 yards. Trey Odoms-Dukes returned to the lineup, had 7 catches for 83 yards. And Markin Michel had 7 for 82 ca- yards sorry, as well. For Hamilton, Matthew Schiltz back in the lineup, 11 for 19, 225 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. James Butler had 14 carries for 92 yards on the ground. And then we also saw Tim White have a big game, three catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. We also saw Keandre Smith have three for 56 yards. And Terry Godwin also had... Uh, sorry, one catch for 28 yards and a big touchdown as well. And that is how the Week 17 wrapped up. We will be right back right after this quick break, and we are going to be sitting down with the one, the only, Quick 6, Corey Philpot. Today we are joined by an all-time great. He is a Grey Cup champion as a member of the BC Lions and a CFL All-Star, a two-time winner of the Eddie James Award for the top rusher. But maybe more importantly, he is an amazing father to twin boys who both ended up following their father's footsteps into the CFL. Quick Six, Corey Philpott, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah. So you're originally from Melbourne, Florida, and then you went to school at University of Mississippi. How did Canada become an option for you? Well, it, it was one of those things playing uh, at uh, University of Mississippi, Oxford, Mississippi there. Um, there was alumni there by the name of Eric Tillman, which goes a long ways in the league. And Eric Tillman uh, is from that area. And, you know, he recruited me um, as he watched uh, football there at the university there. And, uh, yeah, he was one of the ones that offered me an opportunity to come when he was with the Lions. What was the biggest thing that you had to get used to coming to Canada? The cold weather, obviously, it's always the cold. It's always the cold, cold weather. Um, you know, coming to British Columbia in June, it's sunny, it's warm. Um, they don't prepare you to say, okay, well, you're going to Saskatchewan or Winnipeg to play in a playoff game. So, uh, those, those, those areas where you're dead. Nope, I'm still there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of froze a little bit, but here we're good. Okay, um, so you know, playing football for so many years, and you're playing so many different levels. Uh, and so many different styles and coaching styles. How hard is it to learn a playbook at the CFL level? 
it's it's very hard you know um everyone has a bunch of different concepts uh just like university uh but you know you after you know a couple of months of training camp of of, of learning the system and how they adjust and from colors to numbers to everything um you you, you learn to adapt to it but it okay. does take a how big is like a standard offensive playbook do you think Oh, you're about 400, 500 plays. <laughs> wow. What do you remember uh, the most about that first season in 93? I, re- I remember coming in there, obviously, as a rookie, rookie coming in there and just, like I say, trying to learn the system, um, trying to understand the game of the football because, you know, coming out of the U.S. playing American football, so trying to learn the rules and, and all the different things. Uh, that was probably most just learning the rules of how the CFL game is played. Your second season was the breakout year and a really successful ground game that led to helping the Lions win the Grey Cup against Baltimore. What was it like for you to lift that championship? Uh, it, it was awesome. You know, it was it was probably one of the biggest games in my time of playing. Um, at that time, too, we brought in uh, the franchise teams uh, from the U.S. So and they didn't have to go by the rules that all the Canadians had to go go by. So it was one of those things that. You know, we still talk about it every day when we when we run into ex-teammates, but it's one of those things that we came together as a Canadian team um, and uh, we went out there and won that great cup. And then right after that, you broke the CFL record for the most touchdowns in a single season with 22. And that was a huge feat that stood for over eight years until it was broken by Milt Stiegel. Um, What did that accomplishment mean to you? It, it, it means a lot. And and when we talk about those records, uh, me, me and Milt, we still laugh and joke about it. But like I told Milt, you broke, he broke it as a wide receiver. I broke it as a running back. So I still hold the record. So, so <laughs> we, still, we still laugh about that all the time. But, but you know, that that was a great accomplishment. That means that my team believed it in me. Um, uh, my coaches believed it in me that they could get the ball to me and that I would put that ball in the end zone. And that's that's what, what was great about it, that they believed in me, that I could I could get the job done. How much love did you have for that offensive line breaking those holes for you? Oh, I, I had a lot of uh, love with those guys. I still I still see some of those guys from time to time, and I've had w- one or two of them have coached with me now that I kind of give back to BC for coaching. So it, it's been it's been great uh, just being able to have those guys do those jobs for me. And where did the name Quick Six come from? Came from Ray Alexander. So Ray Alexander – you know, just kept saying, you know, we got to get number six in the end zone. So we might as well just call him quick six because he's so quick and fast. So that that's where that came from. <laughs> awesome. You finished off your career with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What led to you deciding to go to Winnipeg? Well, obviously, Dave Ritchie. I've been playing for Dave Ritchie pretty much all my career uh, um, with the Lions. who were like 94 Grey Cup and everything. Had a great rapport with him. Um, had a couple other guys come through there after they Richie had left when I was still with the Lions. But then after that, uh, you know, Richie was in Winnipeg and decided to reach out to me and said he wanted me to come out there and give him a hand. And so I decided to go out to Winnipeg and uh, that's where I finished my career. Your playing career ended in 2000, but that's when Tyson and Jalen came along. First of all, how scary is that having twin boys? It was, it was, it was very scary. Uh, I think at the time, uh, we thought there was only one uh, because they only had one heartbeat. And I think she went back uh, a couple months later and and I had jinxed. I did. I think I felt like I jinxed her because I had said uh, the, the amount of weight she was carrying uh, with with the baby and everything. I had said I had said, oh, I think you got twins. And then 
you know, a couple of weeks later, she called me back and said, yeah, you know, you're right. You jinxed me. Uh, we got twins. <laughs> was the plan kind of always to wait until your career was close to the end to have kids? No, no. You know what? We, we didn't, you know, we planned to have kids and we wanted to have kids. And so it, it wasn't neither way of my career or anything. It was one of those things that that's what we wanted to do to have kids. And we did it. How competitive were those boys growing up? Very competitive. Uh, they are, you know, if one does one thing, the other one has to do it. Uh, they compete all the time. They still compete right now today. Um, if one's if one's having a great game, you can guarantee you that, that the other one's going to have one either the next time he hits the field or gets on the get on the field. So they're twins, of course, and you know, but they're still two very different people. How did you find coaching them? Because I know that you've coached them throughout their whole you know, their playing careers up to this point, how, how different or how difficult was that? You know, it, it wasn't difficult because they both um, had the talent. They both had the ability uh, to play any sport they wanted to play. So, you know, it was like coaching one, one, one kid, but knowing that you have two that are have the same. So it's like what you, what, what you told one, the other one, uh, it filled in with the other one. So it, it, it just worked out great because they both, uh, understood and, and and knew the game and and, and really enjoyed uh, being a part of it. Did you ever have any issues, I guess, with other parents saying, oh, well, you know, their son is a CFL legend? You know, was there ever any issues where they're like, oh, well, the boys get more favoritism? No, because, you know, at, at, at the times of coaching your kids and everything, I always told my kids, uh, the only way you're going to make a name for yourself is you got to go out there and prove it to yourself. It's not going to be me uh, giving you an opportunity. I'll give you every opportunity in the world, just like every every parent. You know, you can lead your kid to the water, but it's up to your kid to drink it. So at the end of the day, those are the kind of knowledges that I put into my voice that if you want it, you got to go out and earn it. So, you know what, when they when when they did touch the ball, when they did get out on the field, they made people look at them and go, wow, these kids got some uh, spark in them. In high school, they were getting uh, recruited heavily. Uh, what was that like for you as the father and as the coach, seeing the boys and having so much success and the open road ahead of them that like they could have gone to any university across the country? Yeah, you know, it, 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 it was fun knowing that the boys did their job and did what they needed to do out on the field and off the field um they they did it all for themselves like say I, I was just there just with they needed a hand to pick them up you know I, I would be there to do that and still right now today if they they need that they know they can always call me and I'll I'll give them the best advice I can but but at the end of the day they, they're grown men now and, and they're handling their business as they should what led to the University of Calgary you know they, they at one point of a time you know like I say as parents you know um, you kind of want them to go other places, you know, like I, I had a high hopes for him to go to the U.S. Um, as as I played at Ole Miss, so made some calls to go down to the States. Um, but the boys had to make their own decision. They needed to, to do what they wanted to do. Uh, I wasn't happy about it, but at the end of the day, I think they made the, the right decisions for themselves to uh, go to Calgary and play in Calgary. And it was a, it was great for them. It was success for them. And uh, I, I couldn't, I, I, no doubts, they, they did what they needed to do to make their career go better. And you've been through the process before with combines and all that stuff. What type of preparation went into it? Because they shined in that combine. 
Well, I, the boys, the boys always work hard. I think right now is the ideal. Now I need to slow them down because the off season they really want to work. But I think that 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 young age, uh, still teenager age, like 22, 20, well, 23 now, um, that they just want to get out on the field. But but I knew going into combine that they had they were they're talented. They were going to go out there and compete, and they were going to go against the best guys that they could and to perform. You know, yeah, a lot of people said that their forties wasn't wasn't that great but at the end of the day I know game game time and game speed is what they've always had uh in their careers of playing so I mean with me I had the speed I could I could I could just go but they they have that after after speed um once things kick in so so you know they prepared themselves uh well enough to to go out there and compete when Jalen got to camp in Calgary I was chatting with him and, you know, I asked him, you know, are you sad that you don't get to play with your brother? And he said, no, because I don't want to have to compete for a job with him. So he wanted to compete on the field with him, but with the Canadian, you know, with the, um, with the ratios, right? How you have to have so many Canadians, so many Americans. How, how did you feel about that, that basically going across the country from each other? I thought it was great because the boys have been playing since they were little. They 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 finally made a decision that if you know we were talked about the draft and if the draft if if somebody was to draft both of them and everything and then they both said that they wanted to they were hoping that they didn't get drafted by the same team um, that they wanted to 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 make a name for themselves and not be on the field and and having to compete again like I say compete against each other um, you know and and fight for the ball. Um, so it was an opportunity that they really wanted to to be split up um, so that they could go make names for themselves. They haven't really had an easy transition into the CFL so far. They've both had, you know, the injury bugs for the first two years. How has your training and mentoring changed to get them, you know, their mind and their bodies right? I think now uh, the boys we've talked and everything, and I think they realized that they were overworking their bodies and they were doing a little bit too much now when you come into the professional uh, part of, of the game. So I think now you'll see like Jalen's 100%. He's, he's, he's healed and everything now and he's all running. You'll see a whole, whole different uh, kid next year going into his third year. Um, obviously, you see Tyson. Tyson now has bounced back uh, from his from his same same kind of like the same injury, but he didn't part of Jalen's own play. But you'll see Tyson now is playing well, so I think now they'll they'll finish off their season strong. I think then they'll come back on the off season, let their bodies rest a little bit, and then they'll get back at it when it's time to get back on the field. Is Jalen going to get on the field this year? Do you think? No, I, I don't. I don't see it happening. Uh, they, they're already at the end of the season. Season's pretty much is over. Um, do they have a chance to make the playoffs? It's it's a thin line. And when you hear all you hear how everyone's talking about it on TSN and everything, so it would be a tough one if they make the playoffs. But I I think I think he'll 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 just heal up and and come back next year with the Bandits. Last year, Tyson had that bit of an injury, and then he came back and he was the Eastern nominee for the most outstanding rookie. He had an amazing year. This year, of course, Jalen has been dealing with it. Like you said, he won't be playing this year. What can we expect to see from Jalen coming next year? I, I think you're going to see. I think I think he's going to shock everyone. Um, one thing that I've always uh, seen between them, like I say, they're very competitive, and like I say, if one does something great, um, you can bet that the following year the other one is going to come out uh, unreal. And and I think I think you'll you'll hear a lot about Jalen next year when he steps on that field. 
I can't wait to see him get back. Um, is that healthy competition something that you've always kind of instilled in them? Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about being competitive. You know, like I say, if you want it, you got to go get it. I mean, that's just my model. So, you know, I, I tell them every day and when I talk to them after the games and stuff and they've done good, I say, you know what, the next game's got to be better. So at the end of the day, you just got to keep keep doing what you do and uh, let everything else lay on the field. So you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, you give back to NBC and you give back a lot now. What kind of stuff are you doing now? So I'm the head of football operations for British Columbia. So it's the governing body of football. So I take a lot of the kids now to the Canada Cups. We were in Edmonton uh, this year uh, for the Canada Cup. And then U16 Westerns was in Saskatchewan. So I prepare uh, the kids out here in BC. We try to take the best kids um, out to uh, tryouts and everything. And so we give them opportunity to represent our province and hopefully well, you know, next year going into Saskatchewan, we can bring home some gold medals. We did have a bronze for the U16s uh, this year. Um, so now uh, we're doing a little bit more with the younger kids as well. I'm starting to work with Snoop Dogg and his national championship there in L.A. So I'm going down there in January, taking a 13U and hopefully a 12U down to uh, L.A. And we can represent Canada down there. So it's just getting all these kids an opportunity to, to play some some great football. Is there any opportunity for next year to have um, a U18 women's national team in that tournament that's been happening lately? We, you know, we've been, that's one of our major, major things that we're trying to do right now. We were able this year to actually put together a great women's flag uh, football to go compete in the Canada uh, nationals. Um, So we are definitely here in BC um, trying to put together a great a women's tackle football team to go play in that world. So, you know, it, it's been, it's been a work in progress, but we're going to keep trying, you know, hopefully we get, we get great people behind us like the BC Lions and all the rest of the guys. But, but that that's something we would definitely would like to see coming out of British Columbia. How nice is it that, you know, you came into Canada with the BC Lions. Now with your role in football operations for BC, you now have people like Amar Doman, you know, giving back and helping and giving more into the community. How great is that? It's awesome. You know, um, David Brady, when he was here, David Brady was all about BC and trying to give to the community and give back. And, you know, and Omar just, he stepped up. He stepped up to the plate. Like he's he's doing some great things uh, here in BC um, in the stadium, half priced off. He's doing parades. He's doing everything impossible. He's out in our community where now we've got tents and stuff. Um, that he's donated to all the community teams and everything just to get their logo out on the field to show that they're they're backing us up and supporting us. So, so you know, with that, you, you, you hats off to him. And I think he really wants to do more to see us uh, succeed in football out here. You spent a bit of time uh, coaching in the CJFL at one point. Is there ever any chance of you coaching again in the CFL? I, you know, I, I think like everybody, a lot of people have told me that and, and said that, you know, I think right now I'm buying my time. I think I think one day I might get that call or, or, or put in an application where where a team is looking for maybe a running back coach or special teams coach. I think that's something in the runnings that I'd be looking for later on down the road. But right now I enjoy giving back to the youth. And so that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. Corey, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about not only your career, but the boys and also all the great work that you're doing, giving back to the community. I really appreciate talking to you. And yeah, I can't wait to see everything that the boys do in the next coming years. 
Well, thank you for having me on. And hey, we'll we'll follow you and we'll we'll just keep doing what we do. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. All right, have a good one. That was our sit down with the great quick six, Corey Philpot. I really enjoyed sitting down and chatting with him, getting to know him and learning about his career and learning about how a former CFL All-Star trains the next generation of CFL All-Stars. We'll be right back and we still got a lot more to get to. U-Sport Football has released their Canada Life rankings and so far Western has taken the number one spot overall in the country. Number two is Montreal, number three is Laval, followed by number four University of Saskatchewan. Number five is St. FX, number six Laurier, number seven one of my personal favorite UBC the Thunderbirds. Number 8 is Windsor, number 9 the University of Alberta Golden Bears, followed up by number 10 is Bishops. They have also released their Players of the Week. From Laval, Arnaud Desjardins, from Western, Jackson Finley, and from Saskatchewan, David Soley. So there's a lot of great things happening in Canada right now and the college football is starting to heat up. There has been some surprises and some not so many surprises, but so far it has been a really great season to watch. This past weekend in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers traveled out to Houston to take on the Texans. And it was the Texans taking this one 30-6. One of the big reasons why the Texans had some success was Canadian wide receiver John Mechie. So this is a bit of an interesting story. Mechie was born in Taiwan, but then him and his family ended up moving to Brampton, Ontario, Canada, where he started playing in school. He went to college, and he ended up winning the John Cornish Trophy as a top Canadian in the NCAA in 2020. As a junior in 2021, Mechie recorded 96 receptions for 1,142 yards and 8 touchdowns before tearing his ACL in the 2021 SEC Championship game. Mechie was again named the recipient of the John Cornish Trophy, joining Nathan Rourke as the only two-time Canadian winner. Another odd fact about Mechie, which has been truly baffling to a lot of people, is he sat out his rookie year season from being diagnosed with leukemia. So the Texans kept him around. They wanted to give him a shot, and I'm glad they did. He was drafted in the 2022 draft in the second round. He was a 44th pick overall by the Texans, but he was also drafted in the CFL in round 7 in number 59. He has had a truly remarkable season and a truly remarkable story and I love watching him come back and I'm really happy that he did and it's so great to see him back on the field. Now we are coming up on week 18 in the CFL. Week 18 kicks off on Friday with the Edmonton Elks traveling out to Toronto to take on the Argos. And this game for the Argos is the 150th anniversary game. So all hands on deck for this one. Chad Kelly is going to be playing and I'm going to say Argos will be taking this one. The second game of the doubleheader is a battle for number one spot in the West as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers travel out to BC to take on the Lions. And in these two games, the Lions 
really stomped on the Bombers in the first game. The Bombers came back into BC place and just destroyed the Lions. So this one is all tied up at one for the season series. I'm going to go ahead and say the BC Lions should take this one. It's going to be a long game. It's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be a fight. But I'm going to say the Lions are going to come out on top for this one. But they're going to have to shut down Brady Oliveira. So Matthew Betts needs to get in there and get some more sacks going as well. On Saturday, the Hamilton Tiger Cats travel out to Saskatchewan to take on the Rough Riders. Supposedly, this could be the return of Bo Levi Mitchell. If not, we're still going to see Matthew Schultz in the lineup. So that's going to be great to see. This is going to be a battle. I'm going to say Hamilton will take this one. And then... The return of Monday Night Football in Canada. Monday, October 9th for Thanksgiving. We've got the Ottawa Red Blacks going out to Montreal to take on the Alouettes. No surprise, Alouettes should easily take this one. And it's going to be a really great week of football. It's sad, like I said before, that we're only a few weeks away from the end of the season. So that kind of sucks. But then we also get into some exciting time. It's playoff time. That is it for us this week. You can always follow us on Instagram and X at Around the CFL Podcast, as well as you can check out the show on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, iHeart, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And please feel free to leave us a five-star review. We are loving the reviews we're getting so far. Keep them coming. We'll be back again next week. We're going to hopefully have another big special guest joining us. Until then, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm.